Hey guys, welcome to the CWS 247 podcast. It is season two of this podcast. If you had told me when we started that I'd be able to convince Mitch and Reggie to come back for a season two of this, I simply wouldn't have believed you, but we've done it. We've made it to the 2022 season. The last time we checked in with you guys, we hadn't crowned a national champion yet. Mississippi State was getting ready to play Vanderbilt. NC State had just had their season ended. We'll touch on all that in a little bit and get ready for the 2022 season tonight. But first, let's check in with some of our best friends and also Mitch. Uh, Reggie, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm very tired, but we are out here. We are persevering, and apparently my internet connection is unstable, so prepare for that later on. I'm, I'm ready to talk about some baseball. I have not realized how much I was looking forward to this season until probably like three, four days ago when I was just looking over like some stuff on D1 baseball. And I was just like, I, I'm excited. Like I just was getting like giddy about it and just, I'm so happy for it to be back. Yes, Mitch, that's the sentiment that many have had across the country, specifically in the SEC and our friends in Starkville have certainly been looking forward to ba- uh, baseball season since pretty much, Week one of the college football season. Um, I, I don't know how well they did this year, but uh, I, I think they went eight and four. I hit the over on their uh, win total, but either way, we know that baseball is king in, in Starkville, and we love our friends in Starkville. Mitch, how elated were you when our friends in Starkville won the national championship this June? I was actually pretty excited. I I, I remember, I think it was game two i was just i was downtown at at uh, the old mattress factory just hanging out and just you know, uh drinking more than i should have and it just the atmosphere just around everywhere and like if you walk down the street and you just ran into some state fans it was it was just partying 24 7 it felt like from basically game two on they lost that game one but after that it was all state and it i i had a great time i know all the state fans had a just tremendous time in omaha Reggie, what, what was your experience like during that time? Oh, they were everywhere. State fans were everywhere. That's the most amount of fans I've seen from one fan base in what is now called the Chuck that I've ever seen. And, yeah, I've been going to College World Series games for literally my entire life, and I don't think I've ever seen a team shell out as hard as Mississippi State did that week. Uh, one thing that I, I did pick up on – as the season went on and especially as the college world series went on is that it seems like every Mississippi state fan on the planet knows every other Mississippi state fan on the planet. Like <clears throat> I was at game three of the, of the championship series and I was sitting, there were states fans on both sides of me and people would walk up and down the and it'd be like old friends or like old people, talking after church everybody knew everyone and that absolutely shocked me and then obviously when they did win the national championship uh i people don't talk about this enough but the but when the field got rushed that that was insane the field literally got rushed there were at least 100 state fans that jumped the fence as soon as the final out was made and ran all over the field i saw videos of it on my phone that was so cool and then um, Jonathan Papelbon, seeing him as the week went on, sometimes without a shirt on, obviously quite intoxicated, was very fun as well. But um, 
yeah, just a blast. Definitely a college road series that uh, I won't soon forget. Yeah, as I told told you guys and have said several times, the that crowd was just absolutely bananas. I thought that the Arkansas crowd in 2018 was the most I'd ever seen, and then Mississippi State went and topped it. I'm sure that'll be some ammo in a Twitter fight later, but just an incredible crowd. Like you guys said, Jonathan Papelbon was not sober from at least championship game one on. Um, <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool to just see him in the hotel the first time. Like, oh, there's Jonathan Papelbon. And then it was like, oh, there's Jonathan Papelbon again. There's Jonathan Papelbon throwing up. There's Jonathan Papelbon breaking a table because he's dancing on it. It became a thing where it was, oh, there's Jonathan Papelbon. But then there's also this entire Mississippi State family that all knows each other. They are all, oh, I could walk up to somebody and say, oh, you know Eli Dalton Wilson? Uh, yeah, I know Eli <laughs> Dalton Wilson. Who doesn't know Eli Dalton Wilson? We love Eli Dalton Wilson on this show. And I'm just, I was really happy to see that the Mississippi State fans won it because, you know, they all know each other and they came together and they made this podcast happen for all 30 of you guys to listen. I think one thing that, that I will remember the most out of everything was the hotel after Mississippi State won the national championship hotel lobby. There were at least 2000 people in there and you look over one direction, Jonathan Papelbon is quite literally standing on a bar, shaking his butt and accepting drinks from seemingly anyone. Uh, I love Jonathan Papelbon for that. I loved him as a baseball player. I loved him when he fought Bryce Harper and I loved him when he <clears throat> let out his inner animal in Omaha this summer. I mean, I guess, yeah, there was, there's a lot to talk about with that whole uh, Mississippi state run and everyone being in Omaha. I guess we can um, move on now though. Uh, CWS two four seven has experienced some t- changes in the past couple months. Noah, would you like to t- uh, touch up on that? Yeah, as, as you guys have kind of picked up on, obviously we had five great years of me tweeting into the void, building this incredible empire, just me by myself with no help. Then I expanded last year, and I brought in Reggie, and then Mitch is his assistant, and they have done <laughs> a, a fantastic job of doing what they can. Mitch has that journalistic background that, that I don't have, uh, and Reggie somehow convinced UNO to give him journalism credentials last year. <laughs> of some variety. And this year I, I took it to the next step. I kind of ran it by Mitch and, and Reggie a few times during the off season. Didn't really go over that. Well, I don't really care. Uh, so I, I brought in like 20 people to, to write. I said, you want to write for us? DM me and you get accepted. Most people were like, okay, you're in immediately. And if you want to write for us, shoot me a DM. You're probably good. Uh, we have a lot of Mississippi State fans. We have a lot of Arkansas fans. We have a lot of Ole Miss fans. If you are from any other program, I promise you, you can write for CWS 247. Does that dilute our product? Hey, it might. <laughs> <laughs> but we have somebody who knows about East Carolina. Reggie, how much do you know about East Carolina? Carson Wisenhunt, name one more player. I can't do it. <laughs> but I like East Carolina. I've got a lot of respect for East Carolina. We have an East Carolina guy. Right now, we have an Oregon State guy. We Actually, a, it's a female. We have an, or, an ECU person. We have an Oregon State person. We have people <laughs> from all over. I would love to expand west because I love the Pac-12 now. I love the West Coast. 
If you're listening and you want to write about college baseball, DM CWS247. I promise you this is going to be our best year of content yet. You didn't even talk about our most prominent name that we've added. Mitch, I don't really like to name drop Stephen Chalk like that. All right. I would never just mention <laughs> that Stephen Chalk is a writer for CWS247 now. That's just not like me, Mitch. You can go ahead and talk about how Stephen Chalk is a writer for CWS247 now. I won't do it. Reggie won't do it because he is too classy to mention that Stephen Shock writes for CWS247 now. But sure, I mean, you we, go right ahead, Mitch. We went from Stephen Shock giving up bombs to Tanner Allen and CWS to writing for CWS247. That's yeah, uncalled just, for, Mitch. Yeah, that's <laughs> just gross. I'm sorry, Stephen. <laughs> gross. Five, five, five day suspension for Mitch. The 20,000 Mississippi State fans around me and Mitch were going bananas and, 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 crazy when Tanner Allen hit that home run I was crying because I knew that Steven is is a close friend of mine and and I knew what he was going through at that moment and I'll I'll hold on to those tears for the rest of my life I'm pretty sure I was paying seven dollars for Coors Light Tall Boys at that moment yeah Mitch you had four or five that night Gets me. <laughs> we all <laughs> we all knew it <laughs> Mitch spent at least $35 on beer for one baseball game that's incredible. Hey, it meant Mississippi State coming back. I, it was kind of worth it. <laughs> Mississippi State fans hated you for three weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I would – okay, here's the thing. The only thing I really ever said was just I didn't think they should be a national seed. They were a national seed, and I ate crow for that. I did. I mean, I, I took it on a silver platter. But following that, I predicted them to make it to Omaha once we got to the postseason. Oh, wow. And then I predicted them to win it when we were in Omaha. So, I, I was all Mississippi State pretty much from that moment on. Yeah, sure, Mitch. You're, you're a hero in Starkville. They, do you know where they're going to build a statue yet? Maybe outside Burger King? Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take a statue outside of Burger King. Sure, why not? Uh, I'll tell you one thing about our new writers is that we do have several uh, Mississippi State fans. One is borderline famous for being an absolute clown. He might be joining us later on the on the pod tonight, Colton Watson, better known as Colt Wheezy, better known as sitting outside for tickets that don't exist guy, better known as Dave Portnoy in the DMs guy. Um, he'll be joining us tonight. He writes for us now because we have that kind of poll. Mitch, on a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you about that? Oh, a solid 7. That's high. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also like to emphasize another new thing that we're doing at CWS 247. That is the weekly top 25 polls. So all of our writers are given the opportunity to become top 25 pollers. And then I'm going to shoot for every Monday. We have a new top 25 to let the public. Uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Celebrate. On. Celebrate. <laughs> celebrate. Yep. I celebrate. said salivate. 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 Get those tongues out. Uh, yep. Maybe digest. That just came to me. Perhaps. Uh, if you peer pressure me enough and the rankings are bad enough, I can make all the rankings public, but don't tell our voters that. <laughs> I would be okay with that. Um, I wonder if somebody who voted, uh, I can't even think of some of the goofy ones, but there have been some interesting votes. Uh, uh, yeah. I was obviously talking to world-renowned Cole before this, and <laughs> trying to figure out why the person that voted for Georgetown voted for Georgetown because 
you know, you, you could have walked up to me yesterday, said that Georgetown doesn't have a D1 baseball team, and I would have believed you. Uh, we came to the conclusion that they misclicked and really meant to rank Georgia Tech, not Georgetown. Uh, we hope. If, if that's not the case and they actually voted for Georgetown, then we're going to have to question Noah on his vetting process for uh, writers. But, Once again, uh, the vetting process is you DM me, I say, okay, you're in. That's it. <laughs> if, you ha- if you have a profile picture, that's like really my standard. <laughs> Considering Georgetown is projected to finish seventh out of eight teams in the uh, Big East, I would assume that was a misclick. Now, with that said, the writers are all fantastic. I couldn't be more impressed with the group that we have. They, they have been really great, and we're having a lot of fun in the, in the group chat we have. There are some people who I would love to see more of. Noah J. Robinson, I know you're a listener of the podcast. <laughs> would love to see you send one message in your life in the, in the group chat. But the, the people that do talk in there, like, all day are great. And the articles have been great. We've been doing great numbers, not to brag. Let's move in and talk about baseball. That is the reason we have all gathered here today. Um, we would like to emphasize that there are Division One baseball teams in Nebraska other than Nebraska. Uh, three hosts of this podcast are current students and or alumni of the University of Nebraska at Omaha, obviously a terrific baseball program and their numerous term tournament appearances and uh, postseason runs. Uh, there's also Creighton. Mitch, would you like to, uh, to talk to us about some of the, uh, the local flavors? Um, I mean, I, w- I wish I could say more about this. I, I know Omaha, they uh, have a couple transfers that are looking to be impact players for 18 them this of year. them. 18 of them. Yeah. They, 18 of them. All Juco I would, kids, too. Yeah. Well, I had a couple. Most they had Juco two transfers kids. from Creighton, one from Wichita State. Yeah. One from Wichita State. I believe another from somewhere. But point being, that is, they're a, they're a very weird roster makeup. They had, yeah, they brought in like 18 new kids. Not one of them is a true freshman. They don't have a single true freshman on the roster, and they only have one redshirt freshman. They are a old team and they have a ton of Juco kids as we have emphasized very much. That has very much been a staple of Omaha the last couple of years and for better or worse, it's created, I guess, I really don't know how I'll say it, like an interesting team dynamic comparative to what you might see at the larger programs across the country, but they do have a very notable third baseman, Reggie. I know you were very close to him. Would you like to go in on Mike Bovey? I've talked to him once. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not close with him. I just think he's really good. I mean, I would, uh, yeah, I Mike, would say Mike. I would say if there's a fan club, Reggie, you are ahead of probably it. the president. Um, yeah, yeah. Mike Bovey's very good third baseman. He was in my uh, 16 breakout players to watch for in 2022 article. Uh, super talented at the plate. Super talented out in the field. Um, he's gonna get drafted. Uh, D1 baseball has him as the number three guy in the summit league for the class of 2023. Um, as far as other Omaha, other Omaha 
I don't know what the I'm looking for is. Um, there's an interesting situation where this team is old, but they're also not experienced. Um, there's not a lot of division experience on this roster. As we've said before, it's a lot of Juco guys. It's a lot of guys who maybe transferred from D one schools, but never really touched the field a lot. Um, they're going to really depend on pitching uh, Joey Machado, Mark Timmons. They have a pretty strong bullpen that I think can, can maybe get them to <clears throat> first or second in the summit league. Uh, they're, they were voted third in the season coaches pulled behind North Dakota state and oral Roberts. Oral Roberts is typically the, the powerhouse of the summit league. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a really interesting roster to look up. And like Mitch said, there's one freshman on the entire roster and he's a red shirt transfer. So, uh, coach Porter and his staff has got, have, they've got the work cut out for coming years to recruit essentially an entirely brand new baseball team. Um, it'll be interesting to see where the program goes after this year and next year when those Juco guys and their eligibility disappears, but, um, but yeah, the Summit League is one of those conferences that, you know, anybody can beat anybody. And they, they say that about every conference, but let's be honest, sometimes that's just not true. Uh, it's the, the coaches can vote on it, but you really never know until the end of May and somebody's dogpiling. You mentioned uh, I mean, Joey Florida. Machado. Oh, excuse me, Mitch. You mentioned oh, yeah. Joey Machado and, uh, you know, he's actually Kyle Peterson's neighbor. You know, that only gets talked about every time Kyle Peterson's on TV. <laughs> and I just wanted to add in my, uh, my extensive knowledge about UNL baseball, where I'm, I am the alumni. I guess Reggie sort of – Reggie, do you consider – do you count as an alumni, even though you still go there? I have a degree, so, yeah, I would consider All right. it an alumni. All right, two alumni. Mitch, see you sometime soon in the alumni club. Um, <laughs> I never attended a UNL baseball game. That will change this year, believe it. Uh, don't know anything about the program. Watched a few of their few of their games less than legally last year, but uh, outside of Reggie's tweets, don't know much about it. But I tweeted at Omaha Baseball today, asking if we could drink beer in lawn chairs on the outfield berm, and they did not say no. So I am going to assume <laughs> that beer showers are going to be a thing at Tal Anderson Field this year. And you guys are going to have to be there to see it. So if you're listening to this in Starkville or uh, Fayetteville, wherever, start planning your trips to Omaha, but don't come up in July. I'll see you in March. And then also Omaha is a team. They, they do not have an easy schedule for being a small no, major. They, the athletic department did not do them any favors in the scheduling division this year. They, they started off with San Jose State opening weekend. Then they play UCLA in a midweek before going to play USC. So they're just spending the entire first week and a half of the season in California. Then they play Arkansas in Fayetteville. And later on in the year, they play them um, in, at Kaufman in Kansas City. So they, in terms of their non-con, it's going to be very difficult. They also play Nebraska. It was a tournament team last year. And I believe they play Creighton, too, who will finish towards the top of the Big East. Granted, the Big East is not a uh, good conference really at all. But in terms of teams who are going to win the Big East, Creighton will be the one 
who is definitely towards the top of that conference. I think it's time for us to though, move on and talk about what everyone clicks on a college baseball podcast for, and that is the SEC. I, I don't, I just wrote an article predicting who I think is going to win the SEC. That article, I talked about how it's a very close race. It's as hard as any conference to predict a winner in, but I said I thought LSU would be the ones who come out victorious in the conference due to just the pure amount of star power they have with a guy with a transfer like Jacob Berry, among other names in that lineup. Who do you guys like in the SEC this year? Well, I'd love to go team by team if we could really talk about it, but I, I think when we're talking about who's going to be winning it at the end of it all, I think it's going to be somebody who just kind of gets lucky, kind of get gets the breaks. I think LSU is going to play for the national championship this year. With that said, I don't think they're going to win the SEC. It seems like they always get hot late. That's just the LSU way. Maybe it's the pulmonary way, and that's gone under Jay Johnson. But I'm going to say that give, give me give me Mississippi State to win it. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I said it. I said it. The national champions are going to win their conference. Um but you know what? I'm not going to be surprised if, if an Arkansas wins it. I went down there. I said Arkansas. So I, I don't think it's going to be LSU, but I think LSU will ultimately be in the best spot at the end of the year. Um, Reggie, what do you, who do you think is going to be winning this conference? I think it's LSU. No, I think you and I are the only two that have submitted our polls this week that have LSU as number one. And I that sort of surprises me. I think LSU is a clear cut number one. Uh, Trey Morgan, Dylan Cruz, Jacob Berry, really going to anchor down that lineup. And then, you know, I, I just, I just see them having a lot of success with Jay Johnson as his first, as his his first season at LSU. Um, Jay Johnson's a, an excellent coach. He brings. Jerry over as well as a couple of other pitchers that he had at Arizona. And I, I mean, Ellis is just good. Uh, Jay Johnson said this week that through four inner squad scrimmages that they've had, they've committed zero errors. So not only are the bats there and the pitching's there, the, the defense is there. And in terms of pitching, Blake money is going to be the funny guy. Uh, he is a large specimen of man. He's 6'7", 240, throws the ball 97 miles an hour and going to be a real force to be reckoned with on Friday nights throughout the SEC. Uh, they play Maine this weekend. I think uh, Blake Money's the the Friday night guy there. Uh, just just exciting. Uh, people, people got high on LSU last year. They, they sort of got hot. Palmineri took his – took his squad up to Eugene and they won the Oregon regional and uh, played Tennessee in the supers. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they lost in two games. Yeah. Um, still the redemption year. I don't think first year Jay Johnson is going to lag in by any means. I think LSU is uh, the force to be reckoned with. Yeah. I'm glad that I'm not alone in the LSU is the number one team. I, I did get, kind of uh, in a tussle on Twitter about that when in December when we tweeted out our rankings. Uh, absolutely love Jay Johnson. That worry is in the pitching staff, of course, because it's just an unknown right now. But I think Jay Johnson is going to find his guy. 
and you know I'm not overly worried about the LSU pitching department. That'd be a weird thing to be worried about. Uh, do they have enough runs to outscore everybody? Who knows? But uh, they definitely have the offensive firepower to do to get to Omaha. Certainly, Jacob Berry playing in Omaha back to back years with two different teams. That'll be fun. Sign me up. Yeah, uh, he's my Golden Spice winner. But see, I just don't know. I don't know if we're going to talk about that later. Doesn't matter if he hits four hundred. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did did Brent Rooker win the Golden Spikes? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, it, I would like to to look at the SEC as a whole. If you guys want to go team by team with it, almost except for the teams that we know who they aren't listed. Uh, <laughs> Some would say we don't have any Kentucky fans, except for <laughs> myself. Yeah, allegedly. I noticed you put yourself as Kentucky in the top twenty-five poll when you're the resident. I can't. I can't right? You just. You I gave yourself can't a put promotion. myself as Omaha. You know you, what that looks we, like? We got a bunch of Mississippi states and Arkansas <laughs> and Ole Misses and God knows who else. I can't be mid-tier Summit League man. We hired you as the Summit League guy, and then you just promoted yourself to SEC this year. That's very, very brave of you. I'm just built different. Yep, you are. Uh, I don't know a whole lot about Alabama, but we're going to go alphabetical in the SEC here. Uh, will Connor Prelit pitch in 2022? Who knows? Does anybody know anything else about Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> they no. missed the SEC tournament last year. Didn't they? No, they didn't. They definitely no, they made did it. not miss the and SEC then that was everyone, Con- everyone makes it. Don't they? No, no, not everybody. No, makes it. no, no. A and M didn't make it. Missouri didn't make it. Oh, that's uh, right. Auburn didn't. Uh, I think I'm Auburn. Sure, L- LSU was looking, or LSU was close to not making it at one point. That was like that was a talking point. LSU got it. Got in the NCAA tournament. They got in the NCAA tournament because their name is LSU, not because of anybody yeah. they beat. But, no, no, no. Uh, it was because Pulmonary was retiring. Yes, the that's it. They were like, oh, yeah, we need Pulmonary it. in the national tournament. Yeah, yeah, it, he did it, and then they were like, oh, okay, you're in. <laughs> yeah. they, there they is no better team to you're in. <laughs> yeah, no better resume builder than your legendary coach retiring. <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, I know so, yeah. Brian Cannon is the coach at Alabama. That's it. Yes, he is. He, he looks like your typical Southern dad, maybe a priest type. I as, I as I wrote in my uh, Royal Rumble SEC coaches brawl article, I, I would say that's one thing about Alabama is it's just so hard to be good at everything. I mean, they're they're so good in football. Obviously, they are an up and coming basketball program of the last couple of years with Nate Oates. But I, I think they, they got uh, more than or they have too many mouths to feed over, down there in Tuscaloosa. But and also I think in terms of just the SEC again too many mouths to feed and when you have programs that are in the same division as you as the likes of Arkansas Mississippi State Ole Miss LSU and then even in the East you have Tennessee Florida Vanderbilt there's so many good programs they, it's it's so hard to have another one like that in baseball and it, but I, I think that they are a little bit uh, below the rest of the competition in the conference but then again who knows we're talking about this in the preseason. In three months, we could be talking about how surprising the team Alabama has been. Hot take, we won't be. But, <laughs> Probably uh, not. 
looking at their schedule, March 29th, they play South Alabama. Love South Alabama. Ranked them at 25 in my poll. Uh, we'll take any um, disagreements directly in the DMs. I'll tell you why you're wrong. Uh, other than that, Alabama seems pretty uh, pretty uh, low-key for good reason. Mitch, I, I heard you mention our friends, Arkansas. Mitch, can I get a Woo Pig Suey from you? No. Mitch, can we get a really big Woo Pig Suey? No. Can you snort? There you go. That's all you're getting from me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Mitch. In three months from now, no, I'm insane. One month from now, no. Two months from now, final answer. There we, we will, go. We will be in Fayetteville uh, for the LSU-Arkansas series. Let's talk about who we're going to see on that field. Uh, big hit they're Bob. Bringing, they're bringing back big hit Bob. Caden Wallace, Jaden Battles, Braden Webb. He's going to hit as the hot dog cart this year. <laughs> Brady Slavens is back. You got Jackson Wiggins on the mound. Unfortunately, Peyton Pallet, Pallet, either way, uh, out for the year, it appears. Uh, if you guys haven't heard the name Peyton Stovall yet, get ready for him to win SEC Freshman of the Year. He is this year's Jacob Gonzalez, although I believe he is going to be playing uh, third base. No, first. He's going to be playing first base. And then we also have Michael Turner transfer into the Arkansas program to uh, replace oh, Casey Opitz at catcher. Uh, Michael Turner, friend of CWS 247, did retweet me the other day and follows. So we love Michael Turner, not the Falcons running back. I, I mean, there's a lot to like about this Arkansas lineup, but then you, when you look down the pitching, it's a lot of unproven guys. I mean, Jackson Wiggins got a good amount of innings in last year. They lost Peyton Paulette. That, that, was, that is a crucial loss for them. And then after that, it's just a lot of – a lot of guys, and I'm looking at their like projected starters. They got a true freshman who's projected to start on was for Sundays. This was back when Peyton Paulette was still before he was out for the year. And I mean, you lose a guy like Kevin Copps, who did so much for that Arkansas team last year, and Wicklander. They got a lot to replace, and I, I think it's just it's the pitching department. They got a lot to overcome there, but their bats will be really good. Yeah, I had Arkansas at fourth in my uh, <clears throat> top 25 poll. And I think that's just going to be a theme of the SEC West this year is you got a bunch of good teams at the top of that conference and LSU will miss Mississippi state and obviously Arkansas They're uh, you know, they're just going to beat the hell out of each other all year long. And like Noah said earlier, it's not only in the SEC West, but in the SEC as a whole, uh, you're going to need skill and you're going to need a lot of luck to win that. Um, but yeah, obviously super excited about Arkansas. Big hit Bob and Jalen Battles and in the infield is really fun. And then uh obviously Caden Wallace is an excellent baseball player in himself. Love Caden so. Wallace. I wish Caden Wallace was a friend. The players that I love the most, Caden yeah. Wallace and Jacob Gonzalez, do not interact with me on Twitter. But I talk <laughs> about them all the time. Uh, as the Mississippi State fans know, I do generally like to tweet about you guys because you guys like to interact with the tweets that I tweet about you guys. Uh, if Jacob Gonzalez or Caden Wallace played in Starkville, I would never stop tweeting. <laughs> I love Caden Wallace, but Caden Wallace doesn't love me. You know, it, it happens. Uh, another thing, one last thing about Arkansas, I'm excited to uh, hopefully we get down there and 
Eric Musselman's roaming around without a shirt on. That'd be fun. Uh, not really to Eric Musselman, but it did make me think of it. Uh, Robert Moore has been taking advantage of the NIL more than any college baseball player I've seen so far. He has a new NIL deal every day. He's constantly putting these out. He's got like shirts with two different companies, and now he's got a barbecue restaurant deal. It's that place they keep recommending to us, uh, Wright's Barbecue. He's got some item on the menu now. Big Hit Bob is out there spending big hit bucks, and he's he's doing a great job at milking his name. Um, I wonder if he had any part to do with them playing that uh, game at Kaufman this year. Little known fact, uh, Dayton Moore is Robert Moore's dad. You're, you're kidding. You're <laughs> kidding. This is a joke, no right? Way. I, haven't, I, I, didn't, I don't hear this every time he's up to bat. Yep. Yep, you're welcome, Mitch. That's why you, you come to the CWS 247 podcast. Wait until I Thank tell you, you about Kim Mulkey. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I think it's time to move on to Auburn. Is there anything to talk about Auburn? I mean, we love Butch Thompson. Butch Thompson is a this class is, act. This is a team that went 10-20 and 20 last year. Um, yikes. I know, I, I will say this one thing. This is a team that, Three years ago, I mean, they had a bunch of arms. Then those guys graduated and left. But what is there to say now? I mean, you had guys like Tanner. Oh God, it was Tanner Burns, and then they had another pit. Oh, Casey Mize was who who it was. You know, just the guy who went number one overall. But since then, since those guys have up and left, I mean, I haven't really heard much buzz around around uh, Auburn in terms of baseball. Yeah, uh, yeah, as I tweeted the other day, there's no such thing as the Auburn baseball fan. With that said, I do have a DM from somebody asking to write about Auburn baseball for us. So sign him up. Yep, he's in. Get him on the pod. Yep. <laughs> uh, looking at their schedule, they're they're going to the college baseball showdown in Arlington. They're going to play Oklahoma, Texas Tech, and Kansas State. Um. Going to play my boy Hunter May down in Alabama State in a midweek game. The rest of the, the rest of the non-con looks pretty weak. Won't lie. Um, aside from Tech, the the first ranked team they'll play on their schedules, Ole Miss. The that'd be the third weekend in March. So, oh, and they That's also a- play South Alabama. Go Jags. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. You never want to really count out a team, but I, I think this team has potential to be one of the worst teams in the SEC and definitely be towards the bottom. Hot take, Mitch. Yeah, prob- probably not a hot take. But Well, Mitch, you do know who is next in the alphabet. It's Florida. Wow. The everything right. school, who is very school. good at anything. Uh, hey, our, our softball, gymnastics, and – Tennis, men's know, tennis I'm, is very good. I'm talking about things that but, are on TV. Yeah. Uh, hey, you, you ever turn on the SEC network on like a no. Thursday night? It's it's just – it's women's basketball and gymnastics. Come on, man. But for baseball, I mean, this is a team had all the hype in the world last year. Everyone talked about them. They were so good in that shortened season, and then they opened up as the preseason unanimous number one. One, I don't think there was one publication that did not have them as number the number one team in the country going into 2021. And they came out flat 
and never recovered. You had a lot of, yeah, Tommy Mace was all right, but Jack Lefwich was a shell of himself as he was the previous two years. Hunter Barco, though, was a guy who came out and put, put out really good outings on Sundays, and they just couldn't really get anything to click for him. Now, coming into this year, you got Hunter Barco on uh, as the Friday night starter. I think he'll be one of the better starters in the country. Definitely has potential to be SEC pitcher of the year. And then you look down up and down the lineup, you get Judd Fabian back. He was the guy who was towards the top of the country in home runs. His brother, Derek Fabian, is a true freshman. He'll be starting at the hot corner at a third. And then after that, it's like it's kind of looking up and down the lineup. You got Sterling Thompson. He's good at right and right field. But a lot of guys who you're kind of you're looking for more production in, in terms of the, uh, the home run category, and it's it's kind of unsure where you're going to get a lot of that run production as of now, because I think this was a team that kind of underperformed everywhere. You got a couple of uh, big or, uh, big arms coming in with uh, Philip Abner is one of them, and they had a they have another uh, lefty that I'm blanking on his name right now, but. I know that they're they're going to be have a lot of freshmen who are going to contribute early on, and it's just trying to figure out their pitching. I think the I think the lineup should be good good enough to you know help them finish towards the top of the SEC. But in, in terms of their pitching, it's a lot of unproven arms after Hunter Barco. I mean, do you guys got anything else to add to this Florida team? I know I just kind of covered everything under the sun for them. Well, Mitch, I went into this very excited to name drop Derek Fabian, and then you did. So next time, next year, you're going last on Florida. So, <laughs> no problem. Uh, I, I don't know if you mentioned Chris Armstrong. I liked him. He was very hot for a while last year. Then he kind of cooled yeah. off, just like the entire team. Um, this could be kind of a big year for Kevin O'Sullivan. Um, <laughs> not going to get into it. Not going to get into it a whole lot. But uh, it would be really big for his career if he could get Florida back in the spots where we're used to seeing Florida at. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say one thing, though. A lot of people talked about the recruiting class, and he's a guy who has brought in lots of talent to Gainesville, and they, there's been talk that this might be his best class yet. So I'll throw that out there. And then Reggie, after uh, that, I mean, I guess, Reggie, well, I'll let you – you have anything to add to Florida, or, are we gonna, or can we move on to Georgia? Yeah, let's move on to Georgia. I don't want to talk about Florida anymore. All right. <laughs> I will get this off my, that, my chest. Mitch. I don't know if this is the Florida fan in me or what, but where does this ever – I feel like this happens more than not, but Georgia gets all this hype built up about around them. Oh, I agree. It just, un, it just under-delivers. Like, I feel like this is a team that's going to finish in the middle of the East again, and it, like they're, they're number 16 in the country in, in the preseason yes. for D1 baseball. Yes. Why? I don't understand why we love – every time Georgia's been good in baseball, they like lose in a regional. I will say one good thing about Georgia. I love the Georgia program as a whole. The athletic department's great. But Georgia baseball has the best uniforms in a long, long area of the country. Their, ba- their uniforms are nice. I love I their this, white uniforms. The last time they were any good in baseball was 2008. And what happened? They lost to a team that was a four seed in, the re- in their regional in Fresno State. I Mitch. Wasn't Georgia a national seed not too long ago, or or like they? right on the edge? I, but they lost in a regional, so who knows? I mean, but they, exactly. they had some good I was players. More so just... They had, oh, I think his okay. name was JB Shunk. He was good. Then they I, had, I, they had a couple good pitchers, but they didn't do anything with it in the tournament. John, I mean, Jonathan Cannon should be a good player for him, and he, he he's a he's a uh, right-handed oh, pitcher, I, I. but. 
I have what, his name written down yet. I mean, who are they going to have in that lineup, though? I feel like everyone's talking about the pitching that Georgia's going to have, but. Well, I will say that the Georgia is is a fairly experienced roster. They got a couple of fifth year seniors uh, leading the way with Josh McAllister and Cheney Rogers. But yeah, it feels like Georgia is kind of like you said, Mitch. I don't think it's an every sport thing like you do with your Florida rent free situation. But uh, in baseball, they are always just a little bit too hyped up, and they never really deliver as much as they're supposed to. I'm sure they'll do all right in the SEC, but then as soon as that NCAA tournament comes. For some reason, Georgia just evaporates. It's kind of like Ole Miss. Thank you. <laughs> what? Just give a quick shout out to my boy Connor Tate. Uh, he's a grad student at Georgia. Hit 344 last year and uh, 10 home runs. He's going to be another important part of that Georgia lineup that is as we said, experienced. But yeah, I don't know where to put Georgia. If I had to rank the SEC right now, I would I I don't know. I really don't. Like so I mean, fun. Georgia's pitching should be good enough to help them out and like win them some games that they probably shouldn't. But I mean, on, on paper, I don't think Georgia is is a bad team. I think they're actually no. good. Like Georgia is yeah. a solid baseball team on paper. But, but I mean, should, being... we, saw, we saw on paper last year how good they were supposed to be. Preseason ranked number two, lost to Evansville the first of the year. Like. Being I mean, good in in the SEC though is your middle of the pack in the conference. Exactly. It just means more. Okay, well in baseball it does. You can't deny that. Who's next? Uh, yep. Kentucky. Kentucky. What do you know? Reggie, you're the only one here who knows about Kentucky. Uh, I have the name uh, of Ryan Ritter written down. That's it. Ryan Ritter, yep. Uh Big league shortstop written all over him. Uh, Kentucky's in a fun situation. Uh, Coach Nick hasn't lived up to his hype <laughs> at all, if there even was any hype. Year one, they made uh, the Supers, lost to Louisville. That was the year of uh, Evan White. who And uh, who was that shortstop? Seattle. Who was that shortstop? Pompey? Tristan Pompey? Tri- uh, yeah, Tristan Pompey. Older brother Dalton plays for Toronto. Tristan was like in the home run derby, college home run derby randomly. Yes, he was. I don't think he was a power hitter. So, (laughs) Um, yeah, year two at Kentucky, 34 and 22, uh, snubbed from the tournament. That was the year. There was a, I thought it was one of the bigger snubs in, in recent memory. Kentucky was one game below 500 in conference play, but. Uh, 12 games above 500 throughout the regular season, did not make the NCAA tournament. Uh, year three, they missed it by a long shot. Year four was COVID. And then last year, finished six games above 500. Um, they were 11 and six before SEC play was super weak non-con. And then that, I think, just sort of sucked the life out of them. Uh, Mingione said that last year, they they just couldn't win close games, that they came out flat and it was just impossible to at one point in the season to even buy a win. Uh, they lose half the team to the draft. And it seems like the other half moved on to the portal, lost seven guys to the transportal. Uh, Mingione's been talking a lot in the season about the pitch and how experienced they are going to be the Friday night guy. Last year, his numbers weren't great. Uh, four and five, a 4.7 ERA. And then 
Zach Lee in his junior year is going to be the Saturday guy. Um, grad student Mason Hazelwood, he's going to come out of the pen, even though he is a typical starter for Kentucky. Uh, he's coming back from an injury that he received last last season. They have two transfers, uh, Tyler Bosma from Miami, higher and Darren William, who was the Friday night guy at Eastern Kentucky. They're going to come and hold the staff that those guys had start game later on season, especially in SC play. And then as Noah mentioned, Ryan Ritter at shortstop, he's, he's the guy that this team is built around. He's the most experienced on the team. And I'd even say he's probably the best uh, returned four guys, including Ryan Ritter from last year's team. It's, it's, it's a young team. It's a new team. I do want to talk about my guy, Michael Dallas. He is a highly touted freshman coming up from Tennessee to play shortstop at Kentucky. Um, I think he can be the next Austin Schultz. Obviously Austin Schultz was incredible and uh, going to do great things with the Tigers later on, but Kentucky's Kentucky's schedule this year is, is tougher than it has. And they have TCU in March. I will be there by the way at those games. And then uh, <laughs> obviously uh the SEC is a challenge within itself. So, um, yeah, bottom bottom five of the SEC, I would say again for Kentucky. I I wouldn't be surprised if they made it to Hoover for the SEC tournament, but uh, last year had a first round bounce against Florida, and um, really wouldn't expect much more than that this year. I think that's about all you can say about Kentucky baseball. Um, pretty much anybody, any uh, more than anybody's ever said about Kentucky baseball. Uh, Reggie just did it. All right. Mitch, anything to add? They gave Florida a, a good fight last year. On yeah, so did everybody. <laughs> yeah, that is true. But I was, I was going to say on the on the field, on the diamond, and uh, off the field in the postgame handshakes. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> we're on to LSU. I don't really know what – really more there is to say. I think we kind of all touched on it as we all seem to really like this team. I mean, Jacob Barry, Dylan Cruz, two of the best position players in the country. Hey, Daddy. Jay Johnson. And Daddy, yep. And next, uh, I mean, anyone have anything else to add about LSU, I guess? National champions. Next. Uh, I, I'm not going to say they win at all, but I do have them playing against DBU in the Natty. DBU. Which uh, someone say LSU is DBU. Defensive but. back <laughs> university. <laughs> well, next this is be State. Yeah. Some some people's I mean I some people love Mississippi State baseball more than I think they love life itself. I think that goes from my base. <laughs> it's I, I find it hard to believe that there are fans out there who would spend the night for tickets that exist in front of a, in front of a box office. But yeah, that is true. You would have to be a special breed of stupid to do that. Uh, <laughs> I say we just, we hear from somebody who would be dumb enough to do that. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we've been joined this entire time in silence uh, by Colt Tim Watson, AKA Colt Weezy on Twitter, AKA Dave Portnoy guy. You know, I already said all of the, all of the lead up I possibly could. Let's hear from the man himself. 
Hey, hey, hey. <clears throat> what's going hey, on? Hey, hey. Colton, Sounds tell like them what's going on. You had a little bit of the whole time. Had a little bit of a frog in my throat there. It made it sound like I have a deeper voice than I do. I wish I could have kept it up. So, you know, kind of like a James Earl Jones type vibe, but I, I don't have that. Going Colton, for me right are, now. are you intimidated by our non-accents? Uh, I thought y'all would be intimidated, to be quite honest. Y'all are intimidated. I know it's three uh, on one. We've all seen House of Cards, so we're kind of familiar with it. <laughs> <laughs> Here, Gaffney. I haven't seen House of Cards. I was actually talking the other day about accents, good fake ones. Kira Sedgwick in The Closer does a decent fake one for Texas. It's not Southern. It's Texas. It's different. I'll tell you who does a great fake accent, and I, it might even be real. Whoever played the guy that played Jackson in Hannah Montana in the first season of that of Hannah Montana on Disney Channel, pretty good fake accent. It's 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 You can tell it's fake. But for a kid show where none of those people could act at all, it was pretty good. Not gonna well, lie. I will I will stream it tonight. The absolute worst one is uh Daniel Craig in not that <laughs> worse. That foghorn that foghorn leghorn. Yeah, not like, great. Outside of the accent though, Daniel Craig is phenomenal. The movie was good. Like that movie was yeah. good. I'm like, why would you ruin it by giving this man a, a southern accent? Like, and he's with a anyway. It's supposed to be French, but he has a southern accent. I don't care. I, I love a good southern accent. It's like you're slowly pouring the maple syrup on some waffles. Just a, I can listen to a good southern accent, read words out of the dictionary, but I hate most accents. So that's really a huge compliment. Uh, the like funniest Br- British part, accents, absolutely not. The funniest part is uh, watching IQ points get deducted the longer you talk. And I like to, I like to have conversations that are long, and I'll even I'll even ham it up a little bit. I can I can make it worse. And then when they're right, they're about to sleep. I'll say something about a really complicated scientific topic that goes over their head. They're like, whoa, 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 easy there. They just freak out. It's really funny. Easy there, brother. That's why they keep you tucked down in Mississippi. Right, y'all come back now. You here anyway? Uh, <laughs> I guess we got to talk about baseball. <laughs> Yes, yes, we do. Uh, but first, I think we should take a second to hear your story about what goes through the mind of somebody who is going to wait outside for tickets that don't exist. So listen, so listen. listen. So y'all pull up a chair. It's going to take a second. I'm going to tell the full on a bridge story. I know it's on the website with like a 68 typos, uh, and that's my fault. Uh, I couldn't fix it, by the way. I tried to go in and fix the typos. Couldn't work. But I'm going to give the full unabridged version since apparently this is a long type podcast, but we'll, it'll, it's shorter than anything. So I get to go to Omaha. I've been the last three years because one of my best friends who graduated from Mississippi state in 2019 is from there originally. So I've stayed at his parents' house uh, the, last, the first two times. And then last year, the day he moved into his new apartment was the first Saturday of the tournament. And we were there sleeping on the floor because he didn't have furniture yet the whole week. Right. So that first game, we did the whole ticket master circus where you pay 40 bucks for a ticket and then $8 in fees per ticket, which is ridiculous. Uh, and I guess the logic there was the College World Series, the NCAA or whatever, wasn't sure if it'd be 50, 75, or 100% capacity. So they let Ticketmaster hand all the tickets and say, if it's 50%, you get screwed. If it's 100%, we get screwed. And then it'd be 100%. And Ticketmaster profited. 
whatever. But we were mad about that. Well, what we did not, we found out later though, is that the box office is always going to have like 10% of the tickets. So for the first game, we went Ticketmaster route. But for all the games after that, we were able to go to the box office in the morning. They open at 10 a.m. All of our games were in the evening because we were in the winner's bracket, right? So you can't go right after the game. Uh, and they don't sell tickets for games where the opponents aren't decided yet. That's a very important distinction. If, you, if the, the opponent has not been decided, even though you know when the game is, they will not have a ticket ready. Uh, so you have to go in the morning the next day, and we've done that twice and been fine, right? So after Tenor Leggett, it's a absolute frozen rope over the shortstop's head in uh, the final game of bracket B in the College World Series. In fact, I remember distinctly when that hit happened, I did not let myself cheer until after Skinner crossed home plate because the long-suffering Mississippi State fan that I am, I just knew he was going to trip coming around for third or something and get tagged out. So I, I held my breath, and then as soon as he crossed home plate, I lost my mind. We only celebrated for like 15 minutes because we were like, okay, tickets are about to be astronomical. We knew that the, the, the ticket master prices for that game was, was north of $100. I think the most we were able to pay was like 80. We, we couldn't really go higher than that. We're broke college students, you know. Uh, my buddy has a, has a full-time job. and But the rest of us, or I guess two of us out of the four that were staying there had, had real jobs, but the other two especially can't afford it. And even the ones that – the guy that has a full-time job, he just got a new apartment. He still has to buy furniture. He's not trying to spend, you know, $200 on a ticket, right? So we decide we actually are walking out of the stadium and we ask multiple employees, hey, box office, same as always, right? Next week on Monday morning, there should be tickets because it's Saturday. They're not, up, they're not up on the weekend. We're like, it, it, it's going to be just like normal, right? There should be 10%, 15% of the tickets still at the box office. And somebody told us to our face, this is a verbatim quote, a box office employee walking out said, there will be at least a few tickets in every section Monday morning. 10 a.m. right so we were new we knew we were set sunday afternoon we're talking and we're like look there's gonna be a lot of people that want these face value price tickets because as soon as the game was over it was like 150 bucks and then 12 hours later it's 300 bucks and it never got better okay we were waiting for it to get better never did so we decided we would wait outside the box office uh because at 300 bucks we're not getting a ticket there's no way like we that that is that is that's almost more than I spent all week on everything on food and gas and everything else. Like I, that, that, that wasn't going to fly. So we were going to wait at the box office. And then we had this idea Sunday afternoon, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that want to do this too. They're going to be lining up. They don't do the lottery system anymore, which discourages camping out because you, because under the lottery system, it doesn't help you to get there earlier just as long as you're there. Right. So um, we decided we were going to do it. We were going to go for it. Couple hours in, they try to kick us out, and right when they try to kick us out, these two lovely couple went full polite Karen. There's, there's rude Karen, there's polite Karen, but still assertive. That's what they were. They let it. They they convinced TD Ameritrade security to let us stay for about three more hours. Then they made us go across the street again, right? And they were watching. Like if you step foot on that concrete, here they come. They're coming after. You. They said we couldn't get in line until 30 minutes before the box office opened. They also, we're also super confused. They are telling us that the box office opens at 8.30, but it's open at 10 every other day. They're like, it'll be open at 8.30 tomorrow. We're like, okay, whatever. So that was really confusing. Uh, I was told by different people that there wouldn't be tickets. I was told by some people there would be tickets. We did so far as in the middle of the night, 
Okay, while we're waiting on the box office, me and my friend Brady, we emailed the person in charge of tickets. And they said, and I've got it even pulled up. They, and I quote, we, I'm not sure that there will be tickets there tomorrow. But she wasn't, but she was, she was still not certain in her language, right? She knew there weren't tickets, but she couldn't tell me like straight up, there are no tickets, right? So that's where I, the, if there's any miffed, like any anger to be had, it's the fact that they knew there weren't tickets and they knew we were out there and we asked and they still wouldn't tell us straight up that there weren't tickets. I don't know what they had to gain from that. Like what do they have to gain from us waiting out there for no tickets? Is it, is it fun for them? Like, I don't know. So anyway, meanwhile, while this is happening, uh, Twitter's blowing up because I'm documenting the whole thing on Twitter and that's where, the, you know, everything went down, right? Uh, I got a list of people I'm supposed to buy tickets for. Uh, I've had I've had a news crew already has come by and interviewed us from, from Mississippi. We're, so we're already on the news back home. Um, we stay the night. We get there the next morning. By about sunrise, there was a long, long line. But what we found out is we could have gotten there at five in the morning instead of five in the evening prior and been the exact same situation as far as where we are in line. So we felt kind of stupid. Uh, but we're waiting outside the box office. There's a million people in line. Uh, and about an hour before they're supposed to go on sale, we did find out it was 10 a.m. like always. The security people telling us 8.30 either deliberately lied to us or they just weren't were very confused about how the, thing, the place worked. Uh, about an hour before the box office was supposed to open, this guy came out, and I understand he was doing his job. That was the rudest person I've ever seen in my life. He was very in your face. He was he. It was like he we were all personally offending him by standing outside the box office. He was like, "Look, I don't want to take any questions. I want everybody to get here so you can hear me. Don't talk while I'm talking. You all need to listen to what I'm about to say." And he was about, we all could tell what was about to happen. He's about to tell us there's no tickets. At which point the signs on things changed to say sold out. He even goes so far as to say as there have been no tickets available since Saturday. This is now Monday. So they've known for two days that there's not tickets. The signs above the, the uh, will call windows have been on all night. They could have had them turned to red to say sold out all night, but they haven't just because they chose not to. So that's where like the confusion comes. You're just like, what, what the hell? Like you're ready to, we, we are about to go to bed. We go home. We know we're not going to the game now. We've been to every single one of Mississippi State's games so far. Uh, we even sat, we sat through that rain delay. We haven't missed a pitch and we're going to miss the most important games in school history. Right. I mean, by far after, after you do that to Virginia in that game, after you walk off Texas it had to be Texas because of the 1985 demons, you know, right? Well, those of you for the Mississippi State people, you know what I'm talking about. Even though this isn't our first appearance, these are probably – this is probably the most important national championship appearance we've ever had in any sport, right? We've had a couple, all recently, and we're going to miss it. We were – to say we were devastated was like – doesn't even cover it. We go home, we get to bed in the middle of the day, and by the time I get home – I've already gotten contacted by multiple news outlets. They want to cover the, the sad story, right? And I, some of them are like, can we meet you like at lunchtime? Can we meet you now? And I'm like, look, I'm napping until at least two o'clock. Let me get up with you at like three, okay? And they want to talk on Zoom, but I, I'm like, I cannot do this right now. So we go to bed. My friend, Ruby, posts my Venmo on Twitter without my knowledge. And uh, 
we end up collecting a lot of money towards the tickets that I that we did not accept. I'll get to that later. She is on her way up to Starkville that that day, or from Starkville that day, literally that exact day, right? She's coming up to 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 Omaha, and she doesn't know where I'm at. She has never been to my friend's house. My friend also is at work at this point. She looks at our like our location on Snapchat. Text my friend what the uh, the apartment number is. Ask him. Knocks on our, our door. She scootered on a broken leg in the rain. Okay, because she just she broke her leg at the uh, celebrating the the super regional. That's how she broke it. She scooters over there on like this one of the little bird scooters or whatever, or the lime scooters. Knocks on the door and says, "Check your freaking phone." Dave Portnoy is trying to buy you tickets to this game. We're like, what? We wake up. I have a million missed miss messages, missed calls. I've got DMs from people I've never met. I've got a DM from Brandon Walker, Dave Portnoy, and Stephen Shock. They're trying to buy us tickets to this game. We've apparently blown up. Uh, we have, we're, we're completely in shock about all this. And Dave Portnoy buys me and my three friends tickets. It was the best seats we had the whole time. We were right behind third base. Uh, we, we did an interview with uh, Jack Srail. Shout out to my boy Jack. He does a podcast called Still Eligible with Deerfield Sports. He got he caught up with us at the game and afterwards, but he, he sat with us most of the night too. So he, he's another character in this story. Uh, we ended up losing the game, of course, but it was still the best seats we had. We actually uh, – don't tell anybody. We didn't go to game two because of the price of the tickets. Dave Portnoy didn't buy us all the whole week, right, just the one mm-hmm. game because we knew we couldn't win the thing that day. Right. We were either going to prolong the series to another day or we were going to lose. So we sat out that one and then scraped together money. I, I begged my dad for like an extra 50 bucks or something. Ended up buying tickets for the uh, third game. But the very end of the story is that money we collected, we collected a little over six hundred dollars. And all, we, we did not in good faith feel like keeping that money uh, for ourselves or to pay for our tickets because it's just not we're just not. We're broke college students, but we're not destitute or anything, right? It just, we just don't feel like people owe us any money. So all that money got donated uh, to an Omaha charity. They actually um, – I'm trying to remember the exact name of the of the league. It's a baseball league for, for um, children with developmental issues or uh, things like that. So they can play like – it's like uh, kind of handicapped baseball. They have a partner that kind of helps them go through the game. But the Miracle League, that's what it's called, in Omaha. It's a local charity. So they got those monies, and actually, uh, there they there will be a commemorative brick at their ballpark with uh, in honor of the national champion Mississippi State Bulldogs at that park, which I think is the coolest thing of the whole story. So that's all of it from start to finish. I know I bounced around a little bit, and I, we, I took way too long, but there we go. So from our our side of things, uh, I we we obviously don't know the whole story like you just told us, but I remember. I think we were recording a podcast the night before, and I don't know if it happened when we were recording or just before or after, but Reggie said something like, why aren't we talking about the guys who are, like, getting ready to sleep outside of TD Ameritrade Park right now? Like, uh, those guys sound like a bunch of weirdos. We got zero hours of sleep that night. We brought a cot to try to, like, sleep in shifts. You you can't sleep outside (laughs) in the city. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's had to do it or can do it, power to them, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, proud of them for being able to do that and i feel bad for them because it's hard <laughs> I, I i wake up wake up the next morning and 
and I see, oh, wait a minute, these people are friends of CWS247. They've been tweeting at me all night. So I scroll through like the 20 tweets that you've like tagged me in and, and the other people that you are with. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know that this was actually a thing. I thought Reggie was just like saying that there were two people outside of the stadium, but you guys had this whole operation going. And then later we go to pick central. I don't know who was all there with me, but uh, Brandon Walker is saying, Oh, somebody give me that Mississippi state guys uh, put her handle. I want to buy him tickets. So then I walk up. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I I give him the app and then I DM you. I remember that now. Yeah. You told me. Yeah. I I, I DM you and say, Brandon Walker wants to buy you tickets. And then it got a little bit bigger than Brandon Walker. Uh, But you eventually woke up like three hours later. And then (laughs) really that was, that was all I knew. The feeling you became famous. The feeling of you woke you wake up and the whole world has been trying to wake you up for three hours. You will never feel that stupid. I promise. (laughs) Everybody needs sleep. You you can't just not sleep. uh, It had been it was multiple hours of people like like trying it was like a missing person thing. They're like, where is he? Like he has gone radio silent. What some people didn't even People figured out I was asleep, but some people were like, did he just like, did he lose his phone? Like, what happened? Like, is he gone? Like, did it, was he real? Was it a figment of our imagination? <laughs> I was like, the whole, all of Mississippi State Twitter, everybody that I knew was trying to wake me up all at once and nobody could reach us. Everybody in that apartment was, was I mean, dead to the world. I remember Noah texting me about, like, because I remember he had DM'd you and he sent me like a screenshot of the DM and I'm just like, this is, this is insane. This is crazy. The whole the whole story start to finish like from like my perspective then to now is that it, it it's it does not it, it's just amazing it, it's it's amazing just the, the power of the peer like w- will that some people have and then if you if you want to get somewhere you will get there. It was crazy. I find I, I like to think of it just incredibly blessing and things as a blessing and things working out. You know I don't know if God cares about baseball, but it, it was kind of a. A really nice thing and I don't know if he was faulting it or not but to to all the the roller coaster of emotions so you you feel like you wasted all that effort for nothing so there's the sunk cost thing where you're just mad you're you're frustrated because this could have been prevented like you could be not going to the game and I got a good night's sleep but but nobody wanted to tell you there was no tickets and I still to this day don't know what the benefit was of them waiting for 3,000 people to congregate before telling us what was wrong. Somebody that knows more about this industry than me needs to explain why that was the, the thing. Like TD Ameritrade Park has a Twitter account. They can tweet that. Well, Let us they're, so, they're so embarrassed about how they handled it that they changed the name of the stadium. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But so th- there's that, and then suddenly it's all okay. I mean, we're, we're sitting there hugging and, like, jumping up and down in the apartment, like, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, like – I'm about to get an email from Dave Portnoy that says, here's your tickets. It's crazy. Does Dave still follow you on Twitter? I don't think he ever followed me. Oh. And he DM me. I follow wow. him. You've got to make those DMs private, so he has to follow you. I should have. <laughs> no, I, I don't think he does. I don't know how to check that without just scrolling through it manually. But if you just search stool president day, <laughs> it should say follows you on his, on his thing if, if he follows you. But if he does, you need to get him on this podcast. Oh, he does follow me. Oh, we're in. <laughs> he does. I don't know if he'd answer it. But he does. He'll get a notification. 
He says he'll do any podcast anytime, doesn't he? Because he's he's dealing with quote unquote allegations that don't make sense. Well, we'll we'll get him on then. No, Dave's a good guy. I think he gets too much shit too often. Um, they just don't like the vibes of this company. Yeah, I'm. I'm not saying that he and the company to, are blameless, but the vibes just just make people upset when when just because that's their shtick doesn't mean they're doing things wrong. Just because you don't. Just because that culture isn't what you're used to doesn't mean it's wrong. It's not what I'm yeah, used to. I'm not exactly. used to the okay. situation, you know? I had Brandon Walker tell me I was an effing idiot to my face, and I, I don't think any less of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, the, the Barstool guys are fun. I can't wait yeah. for the Central to come back to Omaha. That was that oh, was yeah. a really, really fun week. Getting I'm, I'm not going to and yeah. Uh, Brandon, Brandon wanted fun. a picture with us. We got him. He's actually taller than me. Me and my friend are both six four, and he's taller than both of us. So we felt like really emasculated because it just doesn't happen often. When you're tall, you always feel like oh, you won't puff your chest out. But that one person that is taller than you makes you feel like an idiot, like just the smallest person. <laughs> so, uh, so like there's highs and lows with that, but we had I remember before the the, the first game we had to do like three TV interviews in front of uh, the Chuck I guess we're calling it now. Uh, we had our picture with Brandon, so it was all a good deal. And then after that game was over, I didn't get much more of it. Uh, my girlfriend back home had her coworkers be like, "Did y'all hear about that guy that waited outside the stadium for like all night?" And she's like, "Yeah, I've heard of him. <laughs> I kind of know him. I, I know of him. Yeah." I've seen him around campus. Like, yeah. Is it time for us to now actually talk about Mississippi State baseball? I think it is. All right. I again, like everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, this guy just hates on Mississippi State." I understand. Like, I think Landon Sims is incredible. I think he's really good. Why is there an assumption though that his stuff as a as a reliever is just going to instantly translate to him as a starter and be the number one starter in the country? So uh, I, I'll be honest, if he's not the number one star in the country, I'm not going to be surprised because there's, what, 299 teams? I mean, come on. What I will say, though, is that it's not – he's not just – he wasn't just a closer last year, uh, number one. He had multiple outings of four innings, uh, multiple outings of 50 or 60 pitches. So he's getting it done from that perspective. Another thing is he was recruited to be here to start. I know every I, – I don't like the argument that, oh, he started in high school. Everybody started in high school. I don't know what type of high school you went to where they had their best pitcher. If you're, and if you're not the best pitcher in your team and you're playing in the SEC, I, let, me come, let me come watch that high school baseball team. But the best pitcher in high school is going to start in a seven-inning game and go six innings. I mean, that's just how it works. So, so that, that doesn't translate. But there are starters in high school that are recruited to be bullpen guys and recruited to be closers. His the plan with him was always to start him. It was always the plan. Um, he does have uh, the long experience, and the thing that I want to remind people is he worked well as a closer with two pitches. Starters, you're not gonna you want them to have at least three, right? You want them to have a changeup to mix in with their uh, off speed and their fastball. What people people kept saying if he had got to develop that changeup, got to develop that changeup, and they 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 don't say, they're not saying that he won't. They think he will. Here's the secret though. I don't know if y'all watched the World Series. He used the changeup a lot. It was it, probably about 15% of his pitches, but a little bit less than that in the Super Regional. But to left-handed hitters, he was sticking the changeup for strikes routinely. He's worked on it all, all fall. He's had a great fall and a great spring. I think he's going to be 
one of the best starters uh, in the country. If he's the be- not the best starter in the SEC, I'd be a little bit surprised. Uh, I think he's going to really give Mississippi State an edge in a league where the offense is going to be maybe the best we've ever seen, uh, excluding, you know, the gorilla, the gorilla ball years, right? I mean, Ole Miss returning every position player. Uh, LSU, Arkansas are going to be able to rake. Uh, maybe I, I imagine Vanderbilt's not going to be as bad as they were at the end of the year for most of the year this year. And they were pacing the league and batting average for most of the year until the postseason when they just kind of lost it. Uh, still managed to get through their regional and super regional, though. Uh, I think for as far as Mississippi State as a whole, they've got a great chance because they, on the bullpen side of things, are going to be really, really, really solid. They're, they've got five or six guys competing for the next, uh, last two rotation pieces. So I think that's really going to help them because, again, the teams that can pitch it a little bit are going to be well well equipped to win in this league because you got Ole Miss, who I really don't think he uh, is going to be able to pitch. You've got and – and, again, not being able to pitch in the SEC is not the same as not being able to pitch in just your average college baseball team. Okay, so let's just – let me get that straight. But I think – I know you all are high on LSU. I think LSU is going to struggle on the mound a little bit. Uh, I had Arkansas – I would have predicted probably Arkansas to win the league if not losing Peyton Pallet, but they're going to be pretty thin from an experience standpoint. I know they got Zebulon Vermillion coming back, uh, the, the Wiggins guy. That's his net last name, right? Did I get that right? Jackson yeah. Wiggins, yeah. Jackson Wiggins. Uh, so I think Mississippi State's going to have an edge there. Here's why I think, though, although I think they're a national title, title contender, I'd be mildly surprised if Mississippi State won the league. It's about schedules, Okay. Arkansas gets the benefit of welcoming LSU, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State to Fayetteville. That's a super underrated facet of when it comes to the SEC title race. LSU's got a tough schedule. Uh, Ole Miss has a pretty easy schedule that's going to benefit them. I think they're the fourth best team in the West, maybe the third. You could argue with LSU after Mississippi State and Arkansas. Mississippi State has to – they get LSU at home, but they got to go to Ole Miss – they got to go to Georgia. They got to go to Arkansas. That's going to be tough. On the flip side, I heard. I know y'all were talking about Georgia uh, not being that good. Georgia has the opposite. The, the opposite problem. All their hard series are at home, except for Tennessee. They avoid. They also avoid. Uh, they got to go to LSU. So let me put that. Georgia goes to LSU to Tennessee, but they get Bandy, Florida, Mississippi State at home. They avoid Arkansas to Miss. Schedules are, are a big deal of who's going to win this league. That's why Vanderbilt routinely tends to perform at the top, even when they're not the best team. 2019, they were the best team in the league. But they have a great chance to win the league every year because they're going to play, no offense, Reggie, Kentucky, Missouri, in the past Tennessee when they weren't very good, South Carolina, who was good 10 years ago, but not really now. The teams that, that get the best draws are usually going to win the league. But when was the last time the team that won the league uh, won the national championship. Vanderbilt did it in 2019, but a lot of times that first place team in the league isn't the SEC team that wins the whole thing because the SEC wins the whole thing quite often. Uh, so I think that's something to consider when you're picking who's going to win the league. As far as Mississippi State's, you know, talent at the position players, I'm, I'm talking too long already, but there's a heck of a lot of talent, probably the best catcher in the country, uh, a real, real speed in the outfield. I think it's going to be a, a real no-fly zone out there if those bats can stay in the lineup. You've got first-rounders at third base, uh, a pretty – probably a fifth or sixth, seventh – fifth to seventh rounder at second base with R.J. Yeager. 
uh, and I don't know what will happen with Luke Hancock. Go get drafted, but he's playing first base when he when he is a catcher, so it's kind of confusing there. But a lot of talent. I think it's the pitching though that's going to make Mississippi State, you know, in the top two or three in this league and and around the top five of the country most of the year. Yeah, I didn't even realize how great pitching was last year. Mississippi State led the country in strikeouts. Was yep. particularly a record. Set yeah, a record. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. And but, Mississippi uh, State, despite losing their two biggest innings slash strikeout guys, we do return. I did the math. Fifty-two percent of our strikeouts from last year. Wow, Jesus! Uh, just a couple quick points on the Mississippi State offense. Pretty much everybody listening already knows everything there is to know about Mississippi State. But even just listening to one of the the bigger fans, I would think Colton here just talk about it is amazing just how how in depth that was. Just a very quick analysis. But uh, my big things, I think Brad Cumbest is going to have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder this year. He got taken out of the lineup to the national championship. Uh, I don't know if he played game two, but he definitely didn't play in game three. He played so, game two, but he got he got smoked by a pitch, and that's why he didn't okay. play game three. That and he wanted he kind of wanted the left hander against Kumar. Mm, yeah. That wasn't uh, that was more about the injury than ability. Okay. Uh but I, I think Brad is gonna have a nice year. And then if Lane Forsyth can learn how to hit the ball, uh I think Mississippi State is gonna be fantastic all around. I think that his he defense is, only, is so good though. Yeah, but his, his you can overlook just, that bat with his defense. He, but he he, he was he just can such a liability. He can bat two hundred and stay in the lineup. But if he bats mm-hmm. two seventy five, which he ended up finishing around two forty last year, uh, it'll be he'll be a problem. He's if he's two seventy five with three or five home runs, that's that's more than enough from him. If Lane Forsyth bats two seventy five, Chris Lamonish would coach of the year no matter what the record is. And then. <laughs> My my last uh, little hit on him is I, if there was a way to bet on Golden Spikes, uh, finalists or whoever, I would throw some money on Kellum Clark. Just I think that there's got to be great value there. I think Kellum could take over that Tanner Allen kind of gritty, uh, Jake Mangum school of get on base, get him in, kind of philosophy that has kind of defined the Chris Lamonis era. I mean, I would just say – Kellen Clark's an interesting piece. Interesting to see what Brad Cumbus will do with a full year of baseball. He's not on the football team anymore. Uh, he stayed the minimum the minimum amount of time to keep his football scholarship this year. But got a, had off-season surgery to get to get fixed up and played fall ball this year. So that's a big, big, big key to him. Because he always, year after year, in the spring he's kind of bad. And then early on, like late – early summer in May, he starts to really pick, take off. But now he's playing baseball year round. I would say one thing about this Mississippi State team: it's a lot of teams in the country that are like this. There's a lot of teams that have really good lineups, but the pitching's a little unproven. I mean, I know you got Lane and Sims, but then also you got to think about the fact of it's Mississippi State. They have talent; they just don't have proven arms. Right. The starters will be tough, but like the the, the entire bullpen that was, I thought the best bullpen in college baseball last year. Uh, is back. So we, everybody remembers Landon Sims, but people forget. Uh, I've actually, I've got it right here. Let me, let me, I don't want to lie to y'all. So let's get this right. So people forget that, you know, Kate Smith had a sub two, 2.5 ERA, but so did Parker Stinnett. Uh, Preston Johnson had a sub four ERA. Brandon Smith is right there around the same mark. Uh, Stone Simmons, Mikey Tepper was really, really important last year. Cam Tuller, 
had a uh, bad stats. He actually got roughed up a couple outings, but in 23 appearances, kind of your matchup left-handed guy uh, really did his job after the first month of the season. You know, he was kind of mop-up guy before then. Those guys are really, really important. You lose the front-end guys, you know, Bednar, McLeod, people forget, really was probably hurting the team from a, phys- from a physical talent standpoint more than he was helping the team in the postseason. But you lose him. I think the biggest piece that you're missing is Houston Harding because you, you knew all year Bednar was gone. Houston Harding was the only iffy one. But those guys are really, really good. Plus you add uh, Andrew Wallace. I don't know about you, but things that get me excited, I mean, I don't know what if anything can get me more excited than a left-hander that throws 97-98 with a curveball that breaks like 28 inches. It's incredible. He That's came disgusting. here to start – and I, they, they're going back – They first they were going back and forth, like is he going to close or start? The way it looks like now is I don't think he'll start this weekend, but I do think he will be starting soon. He had a really bad fall and a really, really good spring so so far. That was a – that was a, it was a top ten draft guy. He was looking to get drafted about the ninth or tenth round, and then he decided, you know what, I'm going to go play college baseball. And then it worked out for us. I do have to say, we can sit here and talk about Mississippi State, I feel like, for a long, long time. We do have to move on, though. On to Missouri, worst team in the SEC last year. What a transition from best to worst, really. Uh, really, really, I... really haven't gotten over that loss yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, oh, yeah. People, for, people for oh, yeah. That was one of my main reasons for why they shouldn't have been a national seed, and it didn't matter. You know what happened is – uh, that taught you the last lesson you needed to learn. Oh, yeah. Or you win the whole thing. Yeah, definitely. Does Missouri get a championship ring? You know, uh, they, there's one dude on, on the team, I forget his name. Uh, he was like he was like a six-year senior. He deserves a championship ring. Their right fielder, who was probably their best player, was the coolest right fielder we had all year. In the left field lounge, which goes all the way around, for those of you that don't know, we were dogging him. We ended up giving him he, – he was the only player I've ever seen. Actually, we, we give him a lot of them food. He actually ate not one but two sausage dogs while play, play was being happening on the field. Like, I'm not even joking. Like, if, if a ball had been hit his way, he would have had to cram that thing in his mouth or in his pocket and go make a play. Like, the, he's a legend. He ended up actually blowing out his knee on a routine single run into first for no reason on the last game of the weekend. Like, like they came and they, they had to get an ambulance. It was bad. Oh, God. I got I to find that dude's name because he, he was a legend. Yeah, that's uh, about all I know about Missouri. Tanner, Tanner Hoke from like five years ago. Yeah. Max Scherzer. Um, yeah, from a while ago. Ole Miss, uh, Jacob Gonzalez. Noah, you want to tackle that one? I wish I had a Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition of Jacob Gonzalez. I love Jacob Gonzalez so much. Uh, I would throw a poster of him on my wall if I was a kid in, in Oxford, Mississippi, the SIP. Uh, we also talk about Hayden Dunhurst, Tim Elko, Peyton Chatnier, who is probably filming TikToks right now, uh, Kevin Graham and TJ <laughs> McCants all coming back, among others. Derek Diamond. Yeah, Derek Diamond isn't that good, though. If he can rebound and be good, this might be Mike Bianco's year is what they're saying in Oxford. And in Starkville, they're still laughing about it. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Lounge Dog. Shout out my boy Lounge Dog. Real name is Sawyer something. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that out loud. 
but I'll let you get away with his first name, but we can't say his last name. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think it I think it rhymes with Panderson. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but um every time somebody tweets something like, Oh, this might be Ole Miss's year, he's been like well, laughing about it on Twitter. It's been kind of fun to watch, but this could be Ole Miss's year, folks. I think Ole Miss is going to win a lot of home games. Not to Mississippi State, but a lot of other home games. Uh, I worry on the, about them on the road a little bit. And I just – they're going to have to show me something with their pitching. Their pitching outside of three guys was abysmal last year. I mean, a real – I won't even call it a roller coaster. It was just not great. Uh, and all, those three good guys are gone. So, I know they have some transfers. They got some JUCO guys. Uh, they've got guys that were young that are expected to step up, but young, old, freshman, senior, it didn't matter. If you weren't Gog, Goglin, Hoglin, McKaysey, or Broadway last year in Ole Miss, you weren't throwing strikes, you weren't getting outs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I the, their pitching was it, it was like as soon as they lost uh, Hoglin, they got better, but it was really a situation of uh, who was going to be throwing the ball. That's why they got yeah. better. <laughs> I said it a few times. If Tim Elko starts in a slump, if, if I'm Tim Elko and I go 0 for 12 my first four games, uh, I'm thinking about maybe slipping on a bat, maybe tearing my ACL. Uh, it has to cross his mind. Maybe he tears both of them. I think uh, looking at looking over this team, you got Derek Diamond, and then you got two other guys in that slotted that are slotted in the starting rotation currently for the projections that are both transfer guys, one from uh, A&M Corpus Christi and the other from Oregon State, the likes of uh, John Gaddis and Jack Washburn. But I think, I mean, like I said, with like Mississippi State and a couple other teams, it's kind of the story of a lot of teams this year. You have a really good lineup, but your pitching's unproven. And I think if Ole Miss, if their pitching can come through, you're looking at a very dangerous team in SEC play. I think that's about all you could say about Ole Miss. Incredible how much position players they returned. I don't think they lost. Mm-hmm. Them. Yeah, yeah. If they did, it was it was one. Who's next in the SEC? Uh, South Carolina. Oh yeah, it's not 2000. What 10 anymore? 2011. 2011, or 2010, or two, 2010, 11, and 12. They played the national championship. Uh, Andrew Eister. That's it. I, I I just feel like it's it, it was a lot of fun when you or not USC South Carolina they are USC but I won't no, call them not. that. Um, it was a lot of fun when they were really good, but they've just kind of not lived up to what they showed off ten years ago. Like kind of like Colt said earlier. Um, yeah, we'll find out a lot about South Carolina when they have a three-game series versus Texas at home, if they put everybody on high alert if they win that one. Mm-hmm. They, do have, they do a good job. They do avoid Mississippi State and Arkansas. They get they, – and LSU. They do play Ole Miss. But if you're avoiding three of those – three of the four big four West teams, I mean, you've got a chance to make things interesting there. Yeah, that is good news for South Carolina. I always – when I think South Carolina, since Ray Tanner retired, I think they always start out really hot. And they're like a fringe top 10 team. And then conference play starts and they just go like 500 at best the rest of the way. They're just always a 
win two, and then they then they lose a series, and then it just goes back and forth, and they're just wildly inconsistent. I think South Carolina like, was a two last year in their yeah, league, and they shouldn't have been. They should yeah, not. That have is, been. Yeah, that is. Yeah, they also, lose, also they also lost their best player in West Clark. He, he's he's gone, and I don't really. I mean, they're not not really a team that recruits as a, as a leading level as the other teams in the conference. So I mean, they're not really someone who can afford for guys to leave early like that. The Columbia Regional was that one exception last year when the NCAA said they were going to pre-pick the 16 regional sites, mm-hmm. and uh, Old Dominion was the one in that and regional. Then, and they played Virginia. Yep. The Super three regional. seed came to the College World Series. Credit Steve. <laughs> Speaking of friends of... The most interesting thing about that setup was how... I don't think the NCAA ever explained it themselves, but other people figured out what it was and explained it. Fans did not get it. I don't know how many times I had to explain, like, this is how it works. Like, there's 16 sites. Every single postseason game will happen at one of those 16, regardless of uh, – except for Omaha. And I think my, the big thing was, like, if two two seeds that are squared off together win – they're regionals. They're not that those teams don't host a super regional. That was the real only real change, other than what y'all mm. just described. Yeah. And it did happen in that regional we just talked about. The South Car- South Carolina hosted two teams in the super regional that were not that weren't from that school. It, as ridiculous as it looked, and it is, uh, I was hoping it would happen because you were right. So many people were like, "That can't be true." Like, okay, can you read? It, it really didn't change too much. It affected one regional and super mm-hmm. regional out of 16 and eight. Yeah. yeah it would have been interesting to see last year if Nebraska did beat Arkansas. It would have been Nebraska and C State playing in Fayetteville to go to the College World Series. I'm interested in seeing how many Nebraska fans would have made that trip down there because I bet it would be more than most people think. But yeah, I agree. That, I thought it was stupid. Um, I, I mean, they they even didn't they even did the thing where they came out with twenty regional sites before. And oh they yeah, were like yep. here's twenty. We're gonna cut four of them. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. That I whole mean, that whole thing was handled. It terribly. was it that was questionable. Um, and that's how South Carolina hosted again. That's how they ended up hosting as a two seed. They they. They hosted a regional as a two seat. Yeah. All right. On to the last team in the SEC. Texas A&M. Incorrect. Incorrect, Mitch. And not even close. Who Jesus, is Mitch? Is it, Mitch. They aren't even the Who last is team our Lord and Savior? Yeah. Come on, Mitch. Oh, Tennessee. I have five oh. words written in front of me. God, I love Tony Vitello. And you just skipped right over, Mitch. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll put myself in the timeout chair. Oh, I would do anything for Tony Vitello. Tony Vitello says, jump off a building. I say, you got it. We love Blade Tidwell, too. He's out for a while. Where did Colt Weezy go? Uh, subtle dip out. <laughs> uh, is Starkville an hour ahead of us? It no, could be 1230 not. there. No, oh. they're not. They're not. Gotcha. Well, then, this foursome has turned into a threesome. Yikes. Anyway, uh, I picked, socks, I picked right? 
I picked Tennessee to make it back to Omaha. Um, a lot hinged on Tidwell performing it as best. He's going to be out. We nobody really knows for how, as far as I know, right? It's still up in the air. I don't yeah, think there's been a number unknown. thrown around. Yeah. Um, a lot of that success I had hinged on him. Um, I just have a lot of faith in Tony Vitello as a baseball coach. I, um, he's, he's a player's coach. We saw passion from that coaching staff the entire week in Omaha, even though they're only here for, for two games in Omaha for five days or six days. I mean, you, we had Ross Kivet who Kivet gives, however you say his name, Kivet. binder thrower, Kivet. Yeah. Binder thrower, get thrown out of the game. I, mean, I think he's an assistant coach at Houston now, but uh, a player's coaching staff minus Kivet. I, there's a lot to like about Tennessee. I think they'll be back in Omaha this year. Again, lineup will be solid. Pitching's unproven. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can, you can say it about a number of teams in the SEC. I, I mean, you got Drew Gilbert, Jordan Beck, uh, Luke Lipkus. I, I, I don't know how you say his name, but it's I, not that. I, I tried. Lipsius? Lipsius might be it. Uh, also, Close Evan enough. Russell. Uh, yeah. Now, Mitch, now you can say it. Who's next? Texas A&M. With Jim Schlossnagel. Schloss, what, what a coaching hire. That, that, that we, happened we, when we were when we were on the yes, pod. Yes, we were recording when that happened. Might have been the same time Colt Weezy was sleeping outside. Might have been. I think it was. Uh, yeah. Bigger addition than, than Jim Schlossnagel in Aggieland this year? Micah Dallas. Transfer from A&M. One of the, probably the second best pitcher of the Big 12 last year. Transfer from Texas Tech. He's now at AM. Huge addition for them. I just don't know who's going to score runs on that team. Uh, but Micah Dallas is very, very good. We can I, ask Jake McKeever. He knows. I think this will be a, uh, a poor year at Texas AM, but I uh, think Jim Schlossnagel can definitely build something there like he did at TCU going forward. I think it'll be a lot to figure out after this year. I don't think this will be the year that you have a breakthrough there. But going forward, I think you definitely will. They lose a lot in the pitching department from last year. And it, I think it's going to be a rough year. But I have faith in Schlossnagel to uh, figure something out for him after the, going forward after this year. I don't, I don't like one-trick ponies in baseball. And it feels like forever A&M has been a pitch pretty well and score like two runs a game kind of team. Yeah, when they made it to Omaha a couple years ago, they pitched well, but they didn't really score any runs. And they had like Braden Shoemake, who was one of the better players in the country, and they they still was like, yeah, we we might score one today. (laughs) How did you guys make it to Omaha? And they've made it to Omaha several times, and they're never a fun team to watch. Like, you're never like, oh, I'm excited to watch A&M later. No, you're not. I think it's kind of interesting because TCU and Schlossnagel were always – they were a fun team to watch. Yeah. And then now you get that dynamic at A&M. I, 
be very interesting seeing what you, what you can do at A&M. And also, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things with A&M. You hire – you have one of the best coaching hires in the country in the offseason. But also, is A&M a school that you can build something out in the SEC? Because we really don't know. Because, I mean, they've only been in the SEC for almost, what, 10 years now. And the SEC was a powerhouse before their addition. And everyone else, I mean, you've had programs like Tennessee has have improved tremendously with uh, the hire of Tony Vitello. So it's just kind of like, okay, what can Schlossnagel do there? All right. Is it time to wrap up or talk about the SEC? Mitch, or you have such a poor grasp on the alphabet. Vanderbilt. Ooh. Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm sorry. It's it's 1135 right now. It's just I, Christian Little, who's not even a starter. Uh, yeah, Vanderbilt's Little, irrelevant. But you know who is in the rotation? Maldonado is in Maldonado. the rotation. The guy who is on every list in the country as the best reliever in the country is starting. Tim Corbin that's, says, that's surprise. Tim Corbin playing mind-gamed with, uh, yeah. what's-his-face, uh, Kendall Rogers. Yep. Uh, Big but, old fuck you. Oh, I can't say that. Okay. Bleep you. Van- <laughs> Vandy returns uh, Dominic Keegan, Parker Noland, who we don't like. Carter Young and Enrique Bradfield. Don't like Parker Noland because it's a 9 nothing game in the national championship with two outs. And, and he bunts. Bunt. He bunted. And, and he, he was, was safe. safe. <laughs> oh, he was absolutely <laughs> safe. He was safe by two feet. That, was, that umpire was not messing around. That was Jim Joyce calling uh, Armando Galarraga's perfect game. He was more safe than that guy. Yeah. How many how many bases is Enrique Bradfield going to steal this year? Is it over 50? I he tweeted 47 I'll last year. I'll take the over. Take the over. I think he's yeah. going to tweet somewhere where he's going to steal somewhere between 68 and 70. Nice. nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else to say about Vanderbilt? Also, I think is Christian Little starting? No, no, that's right. <laughs> Mitch that's right. said that ninety seconds ago. <laughs> Tim Corbin Tom said, "Having fun." Said, uh, "Not, not this time, buddy." So, um, Christian Little transfer portal question mark. He's he's eighteen now, so possibly. <laughs> Welcome to Mizzou. He can vote now. Congratulations, Christian. You only played in Omaha at seventeen. But he wishes he could be Zach Efron, 17 again. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'm, I'll throw his... I'm cringing. Picture. I'll throw his uh, face on that movie poster and just tweet it out randomly tomorrow, like 9 a.m. Christian Little is 17 again. Anyway, uh, let's, uh, let's move on. Now that we finished with the breakdown of the sec teams let's finish today's episode by saying uh who we all think is going to win the player of the year in the sec and or pitcher of the year mitch why don't you lead us off all right i'll give my prediction for player of the year first i am in love with jacob berry i loved him at arizona i'm going to continue to be in love with him at lsu and I think he's going – I mean, I think he's someone who kind of gets overlooked playing on the West Coast. A lot of people don't really talk about those West Coast players because, I mean, they're on at 11 o'clock on the East Coast, it feels like. So, 
yeah, I, I love Jacob Berry, and I think the uh, success he saw as a freshman in Arizona will translate at LSU. And then also I'm going to give a prediction for pitcher of the year. I, I think I'm, I'm liking Hunter Barco at Florida. I think he's a very talented lefty. I think he's going to anchor that Florida line, or, uh, pitching staff, and I think he's going to translate to being a starter on Fridays in, in a phenomenal way. And, yeah, I think he has really good stuff, and he's going to be a top draft prospect at the end of the year. And I, I, th- I think he'll be the best pitcher in the SEC this year. Only slight bias there. On um, to Reggie. Yeah, for the sake of being different, uh, obviously my answer is Jacob Berry, but I don't want to be the same as Mitch because that's ick. Uh, I'll pick Dylan Cruz, uh, LSU outfielder. Excellent, excellent season last year. I think he's only going to improve on that. Cruz last season, uh, 17 or 18 home runs, excuse me, hit 362. He was the perfect game freshman of the year in college baseball. Um, I just cannot stop thinking about how powerful this LSU lineup is. Uh, th- these guys are incredible. Um, my clear cut number one uh, pitcher of the year. I'll go with a little bit of a wild card. I'm going to say my boy Jackson Fristo will win SEC Whoa. pitcher of the year from Mississippi wow. state. Uh, he's not even a starter at the moment. Wow. Well, he's going to be, I think he will too. Um but- yeah, only only through an inning and a third in the NCAA tournament, he's got uh, definitely some shoes to fill if he's going to be the pitcher of the year. But McLeod is gone, Bednar is gone. Uh, I think later on, if if at least in the midweek, he'll he'll have an opportunity to start games and then um, hopefully make his way in the rotation in SEC play and continue to shine. Uh, Fristo did throw a no hitter last year, or at least eight innings of a combined no hitter. Yeah, uh, yep. So he's got he's got the magic. Held yeah. hitters to uh, two twenty three at the plate last season. Uh, pretty solid. Big stat guy. Uh, Big stat so, guy. So I can't. I have trouble choosing between my boys, Caden Wallace and Jacob Jacob Gonzalez. Obviously, a little bit down. If you were to make odds on these guys, they aren't immediate favorites. Definitely in that second wave. So I'm going to say Caden Wallace just because I think Jacob Gonzalez doesn't quite have the pop that Caden Wallace does. But if either one win, I do get credit. So I'm going to take them both, really. But really, Caden Wallace. And then pitcher of the year, like you guys said, for the sake of being different, I do kind of want to just go with the easy pick of Landon Sims since neither of you said that. Um, but I am actually going to go with Micah Dallas in, uh, in oh Aggieland. A little bit of the deeper pick. Uh, people don't really realize how good he was at uh, at Tech. Kind of got shadowed by Ty Madden. But he, if it was any other year, that would be the Big 12 Pitcher of the Year. So I look forward to seeing what he can do down in the SEC. Obviously, the big bad SEC is, is no not nearly as easy as the little Big 12. But uh, we'll see if, if that can translate. I think one guy that could uh... – I, he was phenomenal last year, and I think he could be even better this year. Logan Tanner, phenomenal mm-hmm. game, phenomenal game manager at the catch position, great defensively, and he's got the bat to match it. I think he could be someone too who could uh, compete for that Player of the Year title. And Logan Tanner, he's got a lot of drip. He wears multiple chains. He's got that Tanner chain kind of swag look to him. Loved. <laughs> 
Loved the chains. <laughs> uh, two chains, maybe go two rings? Question mark. Oh my god! <laughs> That's trademark now, folks. Yep, nil deal with Logan Tanner. Even though Logan well, Tanner also is not a big fan of CWS two four seven in terms of the Twitter engagement. Uh, all right, we have covered the SEC top. I would I would say top to bottom, but the uh, bottom we were very scarce on. Yeah, Thanks for listening, it, folks. Top to if Missouri. You, yeah, yeah. If 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 you've made it this far, I sorry. <laughs> Thank you, but sorry. Uh, I just want to give. Hold on, give me one second. You guys, Mitch, can you regale us with a story or something? I just have to find this one guy's name. I guess I never really. Okay, here, here's why. So here's why Brandon Walker said f me last year. So last year at uh, the Pick Central, he threw me a barstool flag. And I didn't know this was a big deal, but apparently it's a big deal amongst barstool people. When you have a, bar, a member of barstool sign the flag on the actual stool on the flag, it's a big deal who gets to sign that. So he threw me the flag, so therefore he should probably be the one who signs the stool. I, t- I take the flag because I wanted to get it signed by the three barstool guys, Carl, Mincy, and Brandon. I take it up to Mincy first. I go, hey, can you sign the flag? And he goes, where do you want it? anywhere so he signs the stool then i have carl sign it and then i take it to brandon i asked brandon to sign it he looks at it and he goes why'd mincy sign the stool and i looked at him i I didn't know what he was talking about i was like what and he's like why'd mincy sign the stool i gave you the f and flag i signed the f and i signed the f and uh stool what the the f man f you and then i just kind of looked at him and i was like what I'm sorry and he just and then he proceeded to sign it anyway and then I, i i yeah it was I, I was very confused, but also grateful that I don't have a flag signed by Brandon Walker, Mincy, and Carl. So, therefore, thank you. Noah, did I cover enough time? Yes, I did find it. Shout out to Braden Fayard, who actually asked when the next episode of this podcast was coming. So, we know you're out there, fan of this podcast. Uh, we, we do appreciate you asking for it. And guess what, pal? You just got it. So. We appreciate you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.